Hey there, I'm Amy, and welcome to the podcast, Fearlessly Facing 50. This podcast is about conversations and connections, and my mission is to encourage women over 40 to live their best life. You know what, ladies? We haven't peaked yet, and we are just getting started. So if you're ready for some real talk with real people and real conversations about what really matters, you found the right place. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get started. Let's get real. Did you know that 96% of women in midlife suffer from lack of energy? Does this sound familiar? I'm Jill Angelo, and I started Genev, a virtual clinic for women in menopause. Maintaining energy is something we all care about in our 40s, 50s, and 60s. My team of physicians got together and formulated Genev Vitality, a new multivitamin for women in midlife. It's rich in vitamins and nutrients that we commonly do not absorb as well when we hit our prime. Most women who try Vitality feel a difference in the first three weeks. To learn more, go to Genev.com slash shop and listen to Dr. Wendy Ellis, a naturopathic doctor with 20 years experience working with women, share more about Genev Vitality and what it can do for you. Hey there, I'm Amy Schmidt and welcome to this episode of the Fearlessly Facing 50 podcast. I'm so happy you're here. A huge shout out to the reviews that are being placed on Amazon for my book, Cannonball, Fearlessly Facing Midlife and Beyond. I can't thank you enough for purchasing the book, reading the book, and then going and putting a review on Amazon. To authors, reviews are like gold. When you think of the millions and millions of books that are out there for you to purchase, a review means the world. So thank you so much for doing that. And I encourage you, if you have purchased the book on Amazon, go ahead and take a couple of minutes to write a review. I would be so appreciative. So today's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about chronic illnesses, recovering from illnesses, all sorts of things around women's health in series two which is going to be coming up beginning this fall. But I wanted to kick something off a little early because there's a really special episode I have today with actually my husband's cousin, Jenny Park, and she has been living with type 1 diabetes since the age of seven. It's a remarkable story. It's a remarkable journey. And she shares so many insights as to her journey having a chronic illness. And she also adds so much insight to those of you that might be listening that knows somebody that might have a chronic illness such as diabetes or MS or lupus or something like that. So we're going to be diving in and sharing stories of incredible women that are battling these chronic diseases and chronic illnesses throughout their life and how they are living their best life and living forward. Jenny Park has started something called Wine About Diabetes, W-I-N-E. I love it already. Wine About Diabetes actually began in her living room as a support group for women living with type 1 diabetes. Although the purpose of the meeting was for support, it's also always important to focus on the fun factor and not to feel like a support meeting. You know, you don't want to be at a support meeting. As we've grown, they've moved from their living room to every other month they have a ladies' night out for dinner and drinks or talking about life and diabetes. Jenny has lived with diabetes since the age of seven. And even though I don't have a degree in medicine, I definitely gained a lot of insight over the years and she's always learning. So sit back, relax and enjoy my incredible conversation 
with Jenny Park. Well, I'm so excited, as I said in my intro. One thing we're going to be talking about a lot is women's health, and especially women that I look to as heroes because they've dealt with chronic illness since they were young. And we're going to hear that story today from Jenny Park. So, Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. Same. Yeah, it's going to be great. And the funny thing about Jenny is she's actually my husband's cousin, (laughs) which I love. Yes, I do too. (laughs) I love that. So there's a connection there. When Jenny and I talked a while back, we were talking about just life and different challenges that come across our path and everything else. And Jenny's going to tell us a little bit about her background. So take me back, Jenny, to the age. And as a child, you were diagnosed with diabetes type one. Yes. I was actually seven years old and we were going to get our physical for summer camp. And she took me, my brother and my sister And the doctor called like that afternoon. And at that time, this was back in, I think, 83. Way back. Way Way back. (laughs) My sister was two at the time. And that was, you know, you'd brought in a sample of your urine and what have you. So she had the three urine samples. And the doctor said, oh, you must not have cleaned this one jar very well because Jenny's was super high. Why don't you bring her back in? There was a lot of sugar in it. So she brought me back in that afternoon and The doctor did another test and he looked my mom straight in the eye and said, okay, so I want you to take her directly to Primary Children's Hospital. We lived in Utah at the time. And, and, you know, I was seven. I didn't understand. I didn't feel sick. I didn't look sick, but I had type one diabetes. My body had fought against itself, killed off my pancreas and the cells producing insulin and we needed to go and get help right away. Wow. At seven. And you had no idea. I mean, as a child, you're not noticing if you're going to the bathroom a lot, or if you're tired or, you know, some of those symptoms sometimes, and I don't even know if those are correct. You can No, that is, it is. And actually it was very interesting because the week leading up, there were a few things that changed. There was one evening and I vividly remember waking up in the middle of the night and having to go to the bathroom. I swear to God, it was like 13 times. Really? Oh, it was just crazy. And I would stand at the faucet after just trying to get water into my mouth because I was so parched. And my mom said my diet changed. I used to be super, super healthy eating. And then all of a sudden I was asking for cookies and for milk and was craving sugar to try. Yeah. And that was about a week before I got the diagnosis. So it was very interesting. We were very lucky to get it as quickly as we did. And my mom, her mom radar went up a little bit. So she wasn't super surprised. Moms always do. Intuition thing, right? Mother's intuition. It really is. Was there any family history there? You know, we definitely have on my dad's side, I have a couple cousins who also have it. Mm. On our side, we have thyroid. You know, my mom has type two diabetes or she, oh, okay. she was diagnosed. Yep. So there's definitely some sort of autoimmune autoimmune, yeah. Family issues. You know, they're all very related. Yeah, that's true. The power of those genetics. They're strong. But I do have to say though, you don't necessarily have to have a family tie. I will talk to people who they're like, it's not in my family. I don't know. You know, it's like, well, sometimes, unfortunately, we don't know exactly what causes it and why the body decides to turn against itself. But I think there is a little bit of a genetic disposition that makes it a little bit more prone if you have it in your family. Yeah. Very interesting. Do you think you had had it? Was this something you had since birth or do you think it's something that came up at this particular phase of life or, you know, that's a very good question. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I must have carried a gene right? um, or something. Now they can test for antibodies. So we could Mm -hmm. actually have our children tested for antibodies. And if they have a certain number of antibodies, they're more likely to get it within their lifetime. 
Wow, but that's interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that comes down to the individual, whether you want to test your family members or what have you. Yeah. I guess my children are actually not as likely to get it. My sister's children, for instance, she has a higher risk of getting it than our kids do, is my understanding. So How interesting. Boy, oh, that's incredible. I know you can take these different blood tests and things like that, that they advertise. And it's interesting how things skip a generation, but there is a big genetic tie to autoimmune. I know that's very prevalent in my family with autoimmune issues as well, especially for listeners that might have children or know of people that are diagnosed at seven years old. So you're then on an insulin pump, right? I am. I'm on an insulin pump and have been since, oh gosh. Did you start at age seven or they monitored it differently then? Yes. And it was very interesting. What they did for me at age seven is completely different than what they would do for someone diagnosed today. So when I was, oh yes, because when I was diagnosed, it was, I mean, I actually just posted something on my Instagram. Actually, I didn't have a blood test kit when I left the hospital. My blood Mm -hmm. test kit was actually a urine kit, which sounds super archaic, but you would collect a sample, you would put a tablet in it, it would change color, and it'd say you're somewhere between, let's say, 80 and 120, Okay, which is a pretty big range. And I didn't get my first blood test kit until I think six months later after diagnosis. When I was diagnosed, I took three shots a day, four shots a day. Wow, did you? Really? It was just, you took one in the morning with long acting and short acting insulin, one at night with long acting and that was it. And now they know that every time you eat carbohydrates, you need insulin. Mm. Your body can't break it down. So now every time I have something, I just plug it into my pump and it automatically figures out the exact, you know, we've got it calibrated to my body and it gives me the wow. right insulin based upon what I'm eating and what I'm doing too. Because Wow. Isn't that I incredible? Over how many years that been? I mean, 30 some. Wow. Yeah. 36 years in June. We'll be, (laughs) don't do the math. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's incredible. Take me through what it was like in college and those type of years and in your early twenties. What was that like? I mean, did you ever just have feelings where you're like, because this is part of you. I mean, this is what you have for a lifetime. Were there days when you're like, oh man, this just sucks. Yes. I mean, I think that's perfectly normal. And I think part of me feels that it was a blessing that I got it at such a young age because I don't know anything else. It just became part of me, part of like brushing your teeth. Oh, I take my blood test first thing in the morning. So I didn't know anything different. Obviously, in my teenage years, it was definitely, you know, you didn't want to stand out. You didn't want to be different. But my parents were very good at kind of telling me, you know, this is who you are. Be proud of it. Don't be afraid. Don't hide it. And I never, from the first day of diagnosis, I actually started summer camp right away after. And my parents said, you know, why don't you sit down and teach your little camp group of seven-year-old kids about your diabetes? That's amazing. So it is. And I think because of that, I got some empowerment. So in college, I mean, obviously, college is an interesting time. My mom was, I think, beside herself, but she allowed me to go out and manage it on my own. And I did. And I took care of it and was still able to have a very normal college life. And it's just diabetes type one is one of those things that you can do anything you want in this world, but you Mm. have to take it into account. You Mm -hmm. have to. Because it's when you don't take it into account that there's problems or can be problems. What's the difference, Jenny, between type 1 and type 2? And what's more common? Type 2 is probably what you hear about more. Type 2 is generally related to diet and exercise or poor diet and lack of exercise. Or it's just your body's not working as well. So I kind of hate when people say, oh, you eat so well. Or you're thin or whatever. So it's like, well... 
My understanding is there is still a disposition. You have to have a genetic factor for it to get type 2. But usually with type 2, you can control it with proper diet, proper exercise. Sometimes you have to take oral medication. Whereas type 1 is the antibodies in my body started, instead of attacking a virus, started attacking the insulin-producing cell. And so that's the biggest problem. That's the difference. It is. So it's literally killed off those cells. And there's a lot of theories out there whether I still produce cells and then it just keeps killing itself off or what have you. So that's why finding a cure has been so difficult is because it's not just replacing those cells. You have to make sure those cells don't get killed off again. Exactly. Wow. That's so interesting. I want to talk about your group that you formed, which is amazing. But before we get to that, there are a lot of women that have type one. Are you finding more since you've been kind of working on this now and you've lived with this since seven and now you're 43 now? I'm trying to figure (laughs) out. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not so good at math, Jenny. So (laughs) I'm thinking 43. (laughs) Anything after 40, you know, it all blends together. I thought I did that right, but I was thinking, do you find like at this age, I mean, you know, everything's changing. You're in your 40s, perimenopause, all that stuff. Is that affecting anything you see with your type 1 diabetes? Everything. Everything. The fun part. And I say that a little (laughs) sarcastically. I was going to say, it is fun, isn't it? It is fun. Gosh, hormones affect your blood sugars. Stress affects blood sugars. I mean, exercise, obviously, and the foods you eat. I mean, if I had a sandwich with wheat bread versus pizza, that's going to throw off my blood sugars and it's going to change depending on those foods. So it's everything. I think that was one of the hard things when I was in my teens, you know, in the hormones and all that, that yeah. pulls off blood sugars. It raises blood sugars and it's hard because you don't know how to exactly react to it. Right. Just so it's sometimes a little bit of cat and mouse. Have but, you had any problems, Jenny, during your journey where you've been hospitalized or had anything like that where it's really been out of whack? You know, I've actually knock on wood, been very, very lucky. One time our oldest son was his first Christmas and, you know, trying to make everything perfect, even though he won't yeah. remember. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> we have a tendency remember. to I, do that. Again, I think my stress had gone up. My blood sugars were kind of high in the 200 range, but it wasn't astronomical. And right. that particular day, I remember waking up and I just got sick. Uh, so I threw up. And then every 20 minutes after, I couldn't get it under control. My body had actually started going into, it's called ketoacidosis, where the blood is poisoned because of the amount of sugar is essentially what it is. So they have to flush you out with water, fluids, IV fluids. We ended up going to the hospital that day. But that's been the only day. And it was a three hour, two IVs and (laughs) yeah, yeah. And I was okay and a lot of insulin. So that's incredible. I mean, that really is to think that you've lived this long with it. And I mean, you are a testament to taking good care of yourself and also making yourself a priority, which I think a lot of women, whether they have a chronic illness like this or not, they just don't take the time and they push something aside. Are there certain things that women should look for now? Or is type one something that at age 40, 50, they should have already been diagnosed with? Or is this something that can come on in your 40s? It can come on at any time in your life. Anytime. And I think that's been one of the biggest misconceptions of it is that when I was diagnosed with it, it was juvenile diabetes is what you would hear. They thought it was a children's disease, but in fact, it's not. Um, There's a couple ladies in our group who are over the age of 60 who were diagnosed recently. Really? Yeah. A lot of times when you're diagnosed over the age of 20, I think there's still a lot that the medical community is learning. but. People will be diagnosed as a type two. They don't fit the normal type two criteria, if you will. 
And they're in fact, they call it LADA, late adult onset. Mm, Okay. Getting another letter in there. Basically, their type one doesn't come on as fast as it does with someone younger. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the thing I love about this podcast is just the fact that we do open the dialogue about topics like this, chronic illness, things that women deal with and they live and look forward. And that's the power of you. And you're just inspiring story about this. But one thing women thrive on, as you know, we talked about before, is just community, making connections and sharing those common threads. So talk to me about wine about diabetes. And it's not W-H-I-N-E, it's W-I-N-E, which I like (laughs) even better. I think I could become a member of that given the wine part. So talk about this because I just think it's so cool and it's such a great message. And for women listening that may themselves suffer with diabetes or no friends or family members, this is the group to get involved with. So tell us about it. Yeah, so it was interesting about, gosh, and I want to say six years ago, well, and actually, if you take a step back, when I first moved to California in San Jose, someone had saw my insulin pump and they asked me to join this group of ladies and we would meet every month in their living room and what have you. And it was wonderful. Growing up, I didn't realize I was missing that connection. Right. Fast forward about six years ago, we were in Sacramento now, and my mother-in-law knew someone whose daughter was diagnosed and she was having issues. She asked me to give her a call, so I called and talked to her. And another friend's sister has type 1, and I connected with her. Mm-hmm. And then it was like this light bulb went off. I'm like, hey, we need to have a group. It would be right. great to just get together. When we first just got together in my living room and there, I think there were three of us all with type one. And we just started chit chatting and said, what should we call this group? And someone said, let's call it wine about diabetes. My good friend Elizabeth. <laughs> I love it. Love it. That's perfect. <laughs> and, yeah. And what we do is, I mean, it's, I think we wanted it to be something where it's like going out with your girlfriends, but right. when you're right. in that atmosphere and we don't always talk about just straight diabetes, Exactly. about life. So fast forward from the little meeting in my living room. Now there's about 15 of us that meet on average wow. every month or every other month, I guess it is now. And we go to a restaurant, we sit down, we have a meal, we have our wine, everyone's taking insulin at the same time. You can pull out your blood test and there's beeping and there's, oh, do you need some sugar? Yeah. Are you okay? But it's wow. an opportunity to not feel alone because yeah. in this, yeah. I think one of the hardest things with a chronic illness that you don't see unless I take out my blood test or, you know, someone sees my insulin pump, no one sees that. And to have a group of people understand it, it's huge. There's so much power in that. So what's your vision for this? I mean, you're in California, you want this to be, I know you've got an Instagram page and do you envision this to be chapters set up around the country and around the world eventually? I mean, what do you see? I would love for that to happen because I think if the thing what we've created here and to bring this out to other areas, I think it would be huge, especially women. And I have kept it a woman only group just because I feel like we're more apt to share. We've kept it women only for the time being. And Yes, I would love to see it go. You know, the level of transparency there is so nice too, because you can just kind of let yourself go. And like you said, the beeping and the pumps and it's your common thread, which is is just so amazing for women. And that's what they thrive on. So I love that. Really, I mean, that's a bold move for you. I mean, you started this and look where it is now. And I mean, I just give you so much credit for that. I think there's so much power that women have, but sometimes it's difficult for people to reach out and make that connection. So I think that's an incredible thing you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Our goal is to make it fun, functional, and informational with everything we do. So. There you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the power of the internet, when you think oh. about 
And the power of Facebook and social media and things at times can be daunting and overwhelming and there can be some not so great things. But when you look at something like this and being able to find people, somebody that's listening today that might have been suffering with this and just had that type of resource, you've opened that, which is amazing. What's it like for your kids, Jenny, to look at you? I mean, I always think of when I interview women, I always say the lens kind of switches, you know, they view you through a different lens as your kids get older. And here they've seen a mom who has powered through having diabetes her whole life. Have they ever said anything to you? Or do you feel like they look at you in a different way now that they're older and realize this is a part of your journey for you know the rest of your life? It's actually, I've got some amazing kids. So my seven-year-old just recently was asking me about my pumps and what it means because there's different sounds when I'm going, when my blood sugar mm. is going high, when my blood sugar is going low. So he was asking me what that is. So now he can say, oh, mommy, do you need some? Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, he it. knows the low sound. So he's still learning. He'll be eight in July. So, you know, still. Right. But my oldest, he's one of my biggest fans, if you will. And mm. actually, he had a birthday party recently and we decided no gifts. But if you wanted to donate to someone and yeah. he goes, mom, I want to donate to JDRF. I'm like, oh, no, really? no, no. And JDRF, it's focused on you know, sure. diabetes. I'm like, no, we don't have to do it for mom. He, and he looked at me and goes, mom, if I can do something so that you don't have to live with diabetes anymore, I'm going to do it. And he's wow. just, <laughs> just Those are those aha amazing. moments for moms, isn't it? When you just yeah. look at your kid and you say, wow, on those days when you think, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if anything I'm doing or saying they're even listening to. And then you have a moment like that. It's like, wow, makes it so worthwhile. It really does. I've got a very great family who's very supportive of it. So yeah. Have you had any like special mentors or women that you admire along your journey that you kind of, I always think there's such power in mentors for women. Anybody that comes out to you? You know, I've been very blessed with an amazing support system, like I said, and Mm -hmm. I've got some very close friends who throughout this journey have, when I've not wanted to move forward or when I've kind of questioned myself, sometimes I feel like I do more than often. (laughs) Absolutely. They've stepped up and they've pushed me along the way. One of my best friends from Park City, she bought me some classes and, you know, like, Mm. nope, you do this, you move forward. So I'm very lucky to have an amazing support group of friends. And, Mm. you know, I will say my mom paved the way when it came to business. I've got a really good person to look up to in that. So Mm, that's fabulous. Yeah. Moms make a huge impact, don't they? They really do. Here's one question I ask everybody on the podcast. And I always love to hear the answer because they vary so much. So if you were sitting on the couch, Jenny, and you looked over on your left and there's Jenny at 30 sitting and looking at you. Yeah, I know. Don't you just right away picture yourself? I always do. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah, I know. What advice Uh, would you give your 30 year old self? Don't question yourself. (laughs) <laughs> I think, right. You no, know, I think you know the answer in your heart and you question yourself. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you just need to just move forward and not second guess. And it's amazing how far you can come when you don't second guess yourself, knowing you're going down the right path. Mm, that's so true. Love that. Makes perfect sense. Well, thanks so much, Jenny. I love this conversation and I will link everything to anything that you need to reach out to Jenny. I'll have emails there. I'll have wine about diabetes information and anything else linked right to the episode. And I know that Jenny is a person that would be willing to answer any questions or link arms with you on this journey because it's what it's all about. It's about the power of opening the dialogue and making that connection. So thanks so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything. Absolutely. It was awesome. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. After every episode, I just sit back 
and just take a minute and reflect on what I've learned from the guest of the show or the expert that's sharing advice, insight, and knowledge. It's just so incredible. And I'm so grateful for all of the guests that are sharing their stories and being bold and having their cannonball moments. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast, I encourage you to leave a review on Apple. You can simply go to Google and search Fearlessly Facing 50 Podcast and you'll be able to find it there. I also encourage you to subscribe. You know, that way you'll get every episode when it drops. So thanks so much for your support. And once again, as I always say, go forth and be awesome. Take care of yourself this week and reach out to someone that just may need a little extra encouragement. We'll be in touch soon.